Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the Health Simple Show. I'm your host, Kyle Reedhead, and I interview health and wellness experts from around the world to help you live healthy, happy, and stress-free. Enjoy the next show. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you're listening to this on iTunes and you enjoy the show or you've enjoyed any of the other shows, it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a review and a rating on iTunes. This is what allows my show to get out there and in front of the ears of others around the world, so it would be super appreciated if you could do this. Thank you and enjoy. We have Andy DeSantis, who is a registered dietitian and has his master's degree in public health nutrition on the show today. Uh, Andy is also famous for his hit IGTV series called <laughs> Kale TV, where <laughs> he literally eats kale out of a bag in front of the camera and just talks. And I don't know what it is about it, but I think it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I appreciate that very much, man. <laughs> yeah. So Enjoy thanks for, for coming on the show today. Uh, I appreciate you taking some time out of your, your busy day today to, to jump on here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's awesome. Looking forward to chatting. Yeah. Perfect. So I have a burning question to ask you because I was just, I've been wondering this all day. What's the difference between a registered dietitian, a nutritionist, a holistic nutritionist, a naturopathic doctor? There's so many different titles. What's the deal? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, I think it's important for people to know that when you think diet registered dietitian, you kind of can think the, uh, like kind of the designated registered professional for nutrition. So just like you might have a chiro or a physio or a nurse or a pharmacist when it comes to those other disciplines, dietitian is really that discipline when it comes to nutrition, you know, and the training and education that's involved and the college oversight that's involved is uh, very different than a nutritionist, for example, even though we both, we both may be giving advice on, uh, on nutrition. So that's probably uh, the most important thing. And there's definitely like practical implications. Yeah. For example, like being covered by insurance, you know, <laughs> which, which dietitians are, uh, nutritionists are. Now, naturopath is a whole different discipline. And they do a diverse array of things with some intersection of nutrition. So I'm not, not going to speak to that as much because they do a lot of different things. I will say that some naturopaths do work with dietitians and they leave nutrition part to dietitians some pro some probably tackle nutrition themselves and they may have different views as well because they come from a bit of a different school but their scope is like very different depending on who you talk to so yeah so a big difference would be scope or is it the amount of time spent in school too well i mean a, a naturopath is is like uh is basically an nd a naturopathic doctor yeah. so it's, it's 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 a different yeah the scope is definitely different and it's variable. It's very, it's very, very variable. Dietitians focus on food. Yeah, yeah. And nutrition. Gotcha. A naturopath may do a whole host of things, many of which I'm not necessarily 100% familiar with because it is like a di different discipline. Unless you're in it, I think a lot of people don't exactly know what any given naturopath may or may not be doing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up because I think a lot of people have that question. <laughs> Right, right. And that's probably one of the more common questions for sure. Yeah. So listen, I'm excited for, for this show because we've talked, uh, we've talked a lot about fats on this show. Um, and so a lot of people think that I hate on carbs, which I don't. Um, right. I eat carbs often. And so I think it's great to sort of talk about carbs because I think 
Um, they're a little bit of a complex nutrient as well that people don't typically understand. They're not all the exact same thing. So I think it's worth a discussion and kind of explaining what a carb is and, and what it's use, used for in the body. Um, so I think this could be a good discussion. So why don't we start? Why don't you just tell us, you know, exactly what a carb is? Yeah, well, I mean, well, you can go right down to the molecular level, you know, so a carbohydrate contains, you know, carbon and hydrogen and oxygen in a very specific ratio. So like on a, a very like molecular level, that's what a carbohydrate is. Like chemically, it happens to be the body's, you know, preferred source of fuel. Now, it doesn't mean that your body can't fuel itself without carbs. Obviously, we know that that's not true. There's ketosis and things of that nature. So you don't, even though your body may prefer to use carbohydrates, it doesn't necessarily need to use them for energy. The most important thing, though, about carbohydrates is really it relates to what food they're coming from. You know what I mean? That really is what sets them apart. And, and there are, like you said, there's a variety of different types, right? In the simplest form, you have, you know, sugars, which might be like glucose or fructose or sucrose, stuff you might find in fruit and vegetables, stuff that might be added to uh, pop or other products to sweeten them. And then as you build those sugars together with other ones, then you get the longer chains, like your starches, which you find more so in, you know, starchy vegetables, rice, pasta, things of that nature. And how your body responds to those different types of carbohydrates is slightly different uh, depending on the, uh, on the context, really. Yeah. So that is kind of um, an entryway. But when it comes to carbohydrates, there's the types of carbohydrate-containing foods, just like the type of fat and protein-containing foods, they vary so heavily. So you can't, you can't really pigeonhole them. Yeah. Now, one thing with carbs is that there's, um, just for anyone who's listening, there's, there's four calories um, per gram of carb. Um, and that doesn't matter if it's a long chain, if it's sugar, it's, it's all the, the exact same in that sense. Um, yeah. But as you said, the way that they react um, inside the body, depending on its length, can be different. Um, now, how exactly is that? What, what, what do we call that? It's glycemic glycemic index of the um of the carbohydrate i guess can you talk about that and explain what that is so that people can kind of tell how these different types of carbs are going to react in their body right so yeah so glycemic index was something that that was actually came up with by i believe it was a couple of canadian doctors uh believe it or not yeah and one of one of those actually my professor for nutrition back in the day um dr wolliver and what the what gi is or glycemic index is just basically a way of quantifying how quickly when you eat a carbohydrate containing food how quickly it ends up in your bloodstream as uh, as glucose because all carbohydrates uh are broken down to glucose so and they enter your bloodstream and the rate at which they're absorbed and they raise your blood sugar level is relevant because we know generally speaking that you know carbohydrates that enter the bloodstream more slowly right are you know generally generally better for us our body kind of prefers it that way because it's, it's easier to control and uh, just to give you like an example so people can understand it's kind of like if you have a, a ship and the ship is sinking if the water is creeping in slowly you, it's easy to get rid of it you're going to keep going but if it comes in all at once it's much harder for the crew to kind of flip it out um so that is like that's like a kind of obviously that's an oversimplification okay so don't get me wrong i'm not like a biochemistry phd but that's that's a general gist of why it's relevant um but also for the record glycemic index is one component one characteristic of food so it's not enough to say this food has a high gi in other words it raises your blood sugar quickly and by a lot and so it's bad although 
generally that is kind of the trend that you could see. It's not always the case. Okay. So that's important to keep in mind. Talk about that more than I'm curious. What's, what more is there that someone can look into other than the glycemic index? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, the, the nutrient content of the food, the antioxidant content of the food, like I'll give you an example, watermelon. And, and I know we're going to talk about glycemic load in a, in a second. And watermelon is a good example we'll talk about it with. So watermelon has a high GI, a high glycemic index, what's considered the high category, okay? Watermelon also happens to contain vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, you know, and it's, it's good for us. Now, the other thing about watermelon, though, is although it has a high glycemic index, which means it enters the bloodstream quick, quickly, the actual effect it has, and so I'm going to backtrack for a second, when, when sugars enter the bloodstream, it elicits an insulin response to the pancreas, insulin allows the sugars to go into the cells, you know, but the actual practical effect of that also depends on how much you're having, not just the glycemic index, yeah. but the amount of carbohydrate, and that's where the glycemic load comes in. And why watermelon is a relevant example is that although the GI is high, the, the reasonable serving size of watermelon is not necessarily a lot. So the actual practical impact on your insulin is not really that much, as opposed to a baguette, which is usually a larger serving size and a high glycemic index. So you, yeah. get, those two, you get those two together, and that's when it's less ideal, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. And I also love watermelon, so yeah, <laughs> I got one in my fridge right now, a nice big one that I just cut in half, and all. Yeah. it's just so juicy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's talk about insulin. Um, so whenever we raise our blood sugar, we get this insulin release or insulin response, sorry, which, as you mentioned, basically shuttles the nutrients into our fat cells um, or cells in general, I guess, but okay. mainly fat cells. But um, what is the, I guess, either the benefits or the disadvantages of this insulin response? Well, well, here's the thing, right? So again, going back to what I said, like said earlier, if you are, you know, consuming carbohydrates that are otherwise, you know, good for you, nutrient dense, antioxidant dense, you're not going to find any long term like evidence that this process of consuming carbohydrates and, and eliciting an insulin response is harmful to you, right? But you know, you're, you probably, and, and that's exactly why there is a little bit of research around glycemic index and glycemic load, where people who consume like lower glycemic index, lower glycemic load diets tend to have, you know, better health outcomes than when people have higher glycemic index, higher glycemic load diets. And that's simply because it's, it's like, it's like anything in your body. When you give your body something that you can like control and work with, going back to that bone example, it's always going to be easier. And, you know, and you can probably draw comparisons to digestive health if someone was to eat. And now I'm not saying it's, you can't eat one really, really large meal a day and like be happy, but that may cause a different kind of load on your digestive system that not everyone can deal with. Um, and you could probably draw parallels there. But the most important thing, so going back to the insulin response, the most important thing about like having a food is not necessarily that response, but it's everything else that's in the food that you're getting when you, when you consume it. You know what I mean? So again, like a lot of foods and just speaking about carbohydrates in general. So AKA any food that elicits this response, you know, a lot of the carbohydrate contained foods like legumes, fruits, and vegetables, those are generally associated with good health outcomes. You know, you're not going to find too much evidence to suggest that a diet high in fruit is going to increase your risk of any chronic disease, quite the opposite. So there's, there's definitely a lot more to it than just that response. 
Um, but that response, that whole insulin response definitely becomes more relevant in people who maybe don't have good control over their blood sugar, like if you have pre prediabetes and diabetes and things of that nature. If that kind of answers that question. Yeah, yeah. And I think, so for the average person who is relatively healthy, I mean, getting that insulin response isn't necessarily that big of a deal. So having a piece of fruit, that's fine. But for someone who may be, you know, obese or have metabolic syndrome or diabetes, that could be problematic. That's essentially what you're saying. Um, okay. Well, not not quite. Uh, I I think that what I kind of what I would say is that not not what you said necessarily, but that choosing those like if you are in that situation where you have like pre-diabetes or diabetes and your body cannot control blood sugar as well as a healthy person yeah glycemic index and glycemic load the choice of carbohydrates start mattering a lot more if you're otherwise healthy with a strong diet it's it's probably not super super relevant like if you fluctuate a little bit in the glycemic yeah. index choices of your food but if your body has issues already controlling your blood sugar levels that's when the choices become even more relevant which is why, you know, if someone has diabetes, for example, is living with diabetes, one of the biggest pieces of advice that you'll probably get from a practitioner is you want to keep the carbohydrate intake throughout the day consistent so your body can kind of predict what's kind of what's coming. And there's no, and so with that in mind, there's no real necessary issue with that as long as you yeah. do that. Okay, gotcha. Now, what, what type of foods, just so those who are listening understand, what type of foods are going to be the ones that really um elicit that insulin response it can be problematic yeah so so it's it's so it's 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 it's, it's the eliciting of the you know the quick raise of blood sugar which is problematic and that's when you get those like stereotypical choices like the white rice the white bread the refined grains those are kind of like again public enemy number one when it comes to high gi high glycemic load raising the blood sugar quickly and then because the absent fiber you know lower nutrients than whole grains so that those are kind of problematic foods, uh, especially if you're, if you're living with issues controlling your, your blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. If you have an otherwise really strong diet, if you have a slice of white bread, it's borderline irrelevant, you know, if you're healthy. Yeah. Um, whether or not you choose to eat that bread is up to you. You don't have to obviously have it, but if it makes you happy, that's a different, <laughs> the different story, right? What's the, there's always a why uh, yeah. behind that. So yeah. the, the other part to it, I guess, is that one of the big ones that um, cause these problems is processed foods. Uh, I mean, sure. we talk that sugar is, is, it's, is you know, the, the simplest form of a carbohydrate, and that's really what's going to um, create that you know, insulin response or that you know, increasing your blood sugar levels. And yet most of us um, who eat the standard American diet eat way too many processed foods, which contain a lot of sugars and other things that can have the same result as sugar. Yeah, I mean, I mean look adding sugar to to food and having a lot of of just sugar and absence of any nutrients or fiber look there's 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 no way around it it's not useful to your body mm -hmm. right there's no there's no question um if there's a bit of sugar in an otherwise in a food that you might otherwise consider very healthy that might be a little bit different so if you have a greek yogurt for example high protein probiotics and there's a couple of grams of sugar in there that allows it to be bearable for more people to eat that is not something that I would be as concerned with. But if you're talking like something like, you know, pop or something that is sugar devoid of other useful things, for sure, that, that's obviously not super help, helpful. And you're right, for the quote unquote average person with not a strong dietary pattern, that could be problematic um, for calories and for nutrients 
like intake in total for someone who has a really strong diet, obviously it matters less. Mm -hmm. right? That's always going to be the answer for anything, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you, you had a, there was an article that um, you post on your website um, comparing rather than just looking at, looking at just sugar, but looking at the alternatives to it that a lot of people have switched to over the past few years, which is like artificial sweeteners, you know, alcohol sugars, um, whether it's, you know, all those types of things. How does that um, fare when it taught, you know, when we're looking at the, the sugar levels in your bloodstream? Right. So, yeah. So like those, you know, a lot of those products won't elicit uh, a response because again, insulin responds to, carbohydrate and glucose is a carbohydrate so if you don't contain something that contains carbohydrate and carbohydrates not in your bloodstream it's not going to elicit that insulin response so it's a different you know it's definitely a different story you know when it comes to those uh those alternative sugars now what you'll find though as well like with the research and like you know like you were seeing the article is that switching to those products doesn't necessarily is not necessarily offering the average person a huge huge boost because uh, they may be making up those calories elsewhere or they, you know, whatever, for whatever the reason may be, doesn't necessarily offer some, some epic health boost, yeah. but it all comes down to individual context though, right? Because you can look at studies about a, a large group of people and make conclusions. But if you have someone in front of you who has five pops a day and they switch to diet, that may, for that individual, that may have, you know, significant consequences. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can never rule out that for the individual based on a study, but the chances are the more people you look at, like it, it kind of is what it is when it comes to uh, that type of stuff. So yeah. it's always, yeah, it's always a question of why, like what's your, what's someone's motivation in switching? You know what I mean? Um, and, and once you know the why you can explore whether or not it actually will have any tangible effect on their health. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, one of the things that I had seen um, and I actually heard another guy that I had on my doctor that I had on my show, I don't know, it was, maybe a month ago, two months ago, but he was talking about some research that's come out lately where um, if you eat or drink something that is sweet and whether it's an artificial sweetener or sugar, um, just the, the fact that your brain thinks that it's sweet, it's going to elicit that, that insulin response because it thinks that it's sugar. Have you seen any of the research on that? Right. I, I haven't seen that research. I wouldn't be surprised if there has been a study or two that looked at that and found something but the finer points of that are what matters, right? Like what was the response? Was it, How much, was, it, yeah. was, it was it, was it relevant or not? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, I'm not going to refute the fact that that exists. I'm sure it does. Um, but then it's a question of what is the metabolic relevance of that? And I can't answer that because it's just not my area of expertise, but you know, it was a little bit, it's a small response because you perceive sugar. Is that enough to have any impact on your health? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's the real question. That's the question. Does it really matter? And that's a whole other question, right? If it happens a little bit, sure. But does it matter? That's the other question, mm -hmm. right? Um, and perhaps it does over a chronic period of time of constantly consuming that stuff. Perhaps it does. And that's something that I'm sure will be studied and explored, um, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, if we're looking to find more of the low glycemic carbs, can you share some of those? Um, yeah, so it's the stuff that most people would perceive to be healthy anyway. You know, most fruit, most vegetables, sweet potatoes, your quinoa, you know, your brown rice. Some of the carbohydrates may fall in the medium category, like your whole grain pasta, your brown rice. Yeah. Like, you know, those are the type of things that will fall in either the low or medium category. But all leafy green vegetables, nuts and seeds, you know, which actually don't really contain hardly any carbohydrate actually at all. 
Those are the type of foods. So it's really like for the most part, it's the foods that you a, a reasonable person who knows what nutrition would perceive to be to be healthy, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, that and I mean that specifically someone who knows about nutrition. Now the average person, what they perceive to be healthy, is can be skewed a little bit. Um, but for the most part, like if you perceive something to be good for you, another good example though that I wrote an article on is steel cut oatmeal versus instant oatmeal. Right? There's mm-hmm. there's a great example of a big disparity in the glycemic index, uh, despite and, and that's all down to the fact that um, you have the oat grain. It's been refined minimally in steel cut oatmeal, but it's been refined heavily for instant oatmeal. Yeah. And basically what happens is that digestive process gets done by machines instead of your body, which is why your body has to do less work and the carbs get into your bloodstream more quickly. So, yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, that's, that's really the, the whole reason why a lot of processed foods are going to spike insulin levels, right? It's the same sort of things. As you said, it's been processed, so it's been basically digested, um, you know, through machinery rather than in, in your body. So that's a good point. Yeah, for, for sure. A lot of foods fall into that category. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now we're at a point, so let's go off the carbs a little bit here, but I, I think carbs is what takes us to this conversation, but we're at a point where there's a hundred different, um, diets out there. I mean, there's, right. I mean, we hear a lot about the high fat diets recently, you know, ketogenic diets and things like that, the Atkins diet. Um, but there's, there's every type, there's the vegan, there's paleo, there's, there's so much. How does someone choose or how do you choose that for your clients? Yeah. Well, for myself personally, like, and I can just speak to myself, like I don't, I wouldn't even go as far as to like use that or use the word like diet in terms of like a grouping of like something with specific rules. Now, veganism and vegetarianism. Um, yeah, you could say vegan diet, vegetarian diet. I think that's more arguably like a lifestyle choice and it's 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 a it's a little bit different because that is usually people are motivated by different reasons so even though you're right it's technically a diet with parameters it's a little bit different than a keto diet which is done for probably often very different reasons yeah um unless someone comes to me and they are have their heart set on following a specific diet obviously especially if they're vegan or vegetarian i obviously respect that but unless someone comes to me like I want to try this diet, you know, I respect that I help them to do it in the healthiest way possible. But for me, you know, uh, I generally believe that all foods, you know, all food groups can fit uh, in a balanced, healthy way and that people can achieve their goals um, in terms of good health by incorporating all different foods. Um, yeah, so I probably don't really choose a diet at all. I just let I just I let them know they can pretty much have you know whatever they want. Of course. There's a little bit more to it, but that's, that depends on the individual, right? Everyone's different. So yeah. there's no one size fits all guidance, which is the most, probably the most important thing of all. There's no one like thing you could spew to everyone that works. Everyone's different. They, res- they, they respond and embrace different foods in different ways. So. Yeah. And I agree. And I think, I think people tend to go too far to either side, whether it's keto or it's high carb or it's this and that, you know, whatever it is, I think, you know, the most important thing is that you're eating, you're eating real food, you're eating a balanced diet. I think that to me is the most important thing. I get the benefits of keto and, and I've done keto. I've also done, uh, I've gone completely vegan as well. Right. And to me, I see them as, as tools to get to a certain step if you wanted to. Like keto can right. be, you know, really good for burning fat quickly. So if you needed that for some reason, then great, use that. But, but really, I think that you just need to eat a well-balanced diet and, and make sure that's your, kind of your normal routine. And then from there you earn the right to be able to try other diets or kind of change things up. But 
you know, too many people I think are worried about trying all these different diets when it's like, you just need to eat real food first. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, there's definitely some merit in what you said. And you're, you know, I, I have looked at the, um, like I've done articles on the ketogenic diet in terms of weight loss and, and what they do sometimes from some of the articles I've seen where they show the keto diet helps with weight loss is they start them on very low calorie keto diets and then they kind of go back to normal eating and then they sustain the weight loss that they lost at the beginning. And Hey, maybe that works for some people. So there's, so that kind of is what you alluded to. Um, well, right. You know, like let's like, if you look at the foods that are associated with, with like good health outcomes, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, legumes, um, you know, fish, like people who eat those foods tend to have good health outcomes. Yeah. So definitely, even if you don't like all of those, like those are the kind of things you want to be having. And if your diet doesn't allow you to have most of them, then you have to question what your motivation is behind your diet. Um, your diet, when I mean diet, I mean dietary pattern, like the, the, the sum of what you eat. Because yeah. even though health is not the only reason to eat, that should be a major consideration is your long-term health. I would hope yeah. that, you know, even though it's not the only thing that matters, obviously enjoyment and things like that matter as well. But, you know, health, like your health obviously is important, an important, you know, driver, I would hope, of eating. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because the, these diets are all, it's almost like a war between these diets. You know, you get someone who's vegan or someone who's keto, let's say, and they're, they're fighting with someone who's vegan and vice versa. And then you get the, the people that are on paleo. And it's like, for me, I think the one good thing about all three of those diets is at least they're promoting whole foods and real foods. Um, obviously, there's different combinations in that. But for the most part, it's, it's all of them are saying get rid of processed foods and, and eat, you know, things that are grown in the ground or were alive at some point. And so it's, it's funny that everyone seems to be just kind of fighting with each other on it. How do you, how do you deal with that? Or how do you tell clients to deal with that? Cause I know that's something that, you know, I get all the time. If I said I'm going keto or something, someone's right. got to chirp me or whatever. Yeah. Look, food is like an, is an intensely personal thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So you're absolutely right. And you know, I often make light of a lot of different diets. Like on my page, you know, I just made a post about the keto diet, but like, but like, I also don't get it twisted. Like I, I respect people's right to want to try different things. You know what I mean? So I would never like tell someone if they want to try a diet, as long as it's not endangering their health. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm happy to let people experiment with things and teach them how to do it in the healthiest way possible. But yeah, I mean, like I'm on the opposite. I more make light of these different dietary choices and pull fun of them, even though I do respect everyone's, everyone's choices, but you're right, man. I mean, like people do take this stuff really, really seriously. And you know, whether it's keto diet or paleo diet, now, vegan and vegetarian, again, it's a little, it's a little different. Um, if someone's poking fun at vegan, it's more probably more to do with like the way some people represent it. <laughs> you, you can't really, I think, like I'm not a vegan, but I think it's, you, you, it's, it'd be hard to crap on someone who is like doing a pretty noble gesture of not eating animal products. I mean, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty, pretty noble, even though I'm not a vegan, you know what I mean? I respect vegans immensely. So that's a different story, but there are some vegans who are, who are extra. No, no, no question. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? There are some keto people who are extra. You know, there's always the fringes who just like are, are, are misrepresenting the larger group of the people. And those yeah. are the people that you associate with the movement. Right. So that's yeah, the very problem. true. And you combat that by just taking like a chill approach and poking fun at yourself. You know, yeah. but that's if you follow a diet that people are critical of, poke fun at yourself. It's an amazing how effective that is. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we all we all have there's always these stereotypes and cliches. So, you know. Yeah. I, I remember a few weeks ago, I, I saw a video of a, he was vegan, I think, and he had a YouTube video and he was just sitting there and he did like a 20 minute long video, just chirping the, the documentary that came out on uh, ketogenic diets. 
and right. he just like went off and he and I mean the thing is is that you can pull research to support either side so I mean anyone can yeah. make a video to bash vegans or to bash keto or whatever yeah but but to me it's like I don't know why you had to go and do that keto at least is supporting whole foods just like so is vegan so is is paleo so let people go that way we need people to go that way and get off all the processed foods because we know that regardless of everything else or what diet you're on if you're eating processed foods you have a higher risk of many different health problems so it's right. like they need to all be working together to move people away from the processed fake food and, and instead of just you know battling each other it makes no sense yeah well look like we'll put it this way so i i, the, I think you're talking about the magic pill and there's also what the health which is another documentary which yeah. is basically a documentary and you're right, any given person could sit down and crap on either one of those things. Um, it is what it is, you know, and you can also interpret the same research in different ways. You can, yeah. you can interpret this different research in the same category different ways. And people do that all the time to prove a point, you know what I mean? So um, unfortunately, that's probably not gonna stop happening. <laughs> but I think it's good not to respond to that kind of stuff in a polarizing way, like be neutral and be relaxed about it and kind of like, you know, because being too polarizing is just doesn't help anyone. Yeah, um, so I, yeah. definitely don't, I definitely don't support that. If there's one thing I think every diet supports, it's kale. So at least you got that one. Um, <laughs> Your go-to. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so let's let's go on to the the, the vegan topic because I know um, you have uh, some vegan clients, and I know a lot of uh, individuals who follow Health Simple um, are vegan as well. So. Um, I wouldn't mind talking about that because I haven't had a show on that yet. Um, yeah. For someone who's just starting out going vegan, what uh, are some of the common mistakes that, that a vegan would make? Well, in my experience, and this is me looking, this is me with clients, this is me looking at forums of vegan and vegetarian forums. But the probably number one takeaway is it seems like people who jump into it, they don't realize the importance, the, the synergy actually. Well, first of all, they don't realize that they need to make sure they get protein from legumes and, and tofu and things of that nature. That's number one. They need to get protein and iron, and they need to replace what they're missing from meat, which is primarily protein and iron, okay? And those would be the biggest issues. So you need to replace that with foods that contain it, nuts and seeds, legumes, tofu. Then you have to also realize that the iron in those foods isn't absorbed as well as the iron in meat. And you have to amend that or address that rather by having vitamin C in the presence of those foods, which is probably the number one thing that people just don't seem to know. And if you don't, that's when you go into vegan forms and you see people having anemia and fatigue and stuff. They're probably not doing the first one, which is getting the foods that contain iron, or the second part, which is having vitamin C, yeah. um, which guess what? Guess what contains vitamin C? Kale. So, <laughs> so eat your kale. Duh. Yeah, kale, <laughs> Brussels sprouts, bell peppers, oranges, strawberries, kiwi. Um, so if you're vegan, handful of almonds with an orange, that's a beautiful snack that allows optimal absorption. You know, kale salad with lentils, beautiful, optimal meal to supplement the absorption of iron. So that's, that's synergy. In my experience, the number one most important thing that any new vegetarian or vegan, and I'll be perfectly honest, I've had people who have been longtime vegans come in here and they didn't know that. And they have a history of anemia. Mm -hmm. So it's not... I don't say this lightly. People seem to not realize that. Um, so that's that's the number one takeaway. Yeah. There's obviously there's layers, but that's number one. Have you ever tried going vegan? Um, uh, for a day, I've definitely had days. <laughs> I've done I've done I, I've done meatless Mondays, 
But I'll be perfectly honest, man. Like I eat more plant-based protein than I ever have before. I don't really have dairy that I don't really have dairy hardly at all. Yeah. Um, per, again, personal choice, but I like, I love meat. I love fish and I eat that stuff regularly, but I'm more plant-based. I have more tofu and lentils than I ever have in my life. Yeah. I love it. I love it. But being vegan hundred percent is not for me. But like I said, I fully, I have a lot of admiration for people who go vegan. Um, it's, it's it's a commitment. It is. Yeah. I did it for about four months for a summer, and and for the first, I don't know, it was probably a week, maybe two weeks. I thought I was going to die. I was like, I could not figure out how to eat enough food. <laughs> like right. it, was, it was not actually going to die, but you know what I mean. Like it was just, it was, it was difficult because you know, especially when you're exercising, you're working out, lifting weights, and that. It was like, well, how the heck do I get enough food? And I ended up, I was doing it with my girlfriend at the time, and. Yeah. And she was like, okay, we got to figure this out. And so she all of a sudden just started making these like massive plates of just mixing everything. So it was like beans and, and legumes yeah, and yeah. nuts and seeds and everything. And it was like, okay, that finally, you know, yeah. allowed me to feel full and kind of gave me what I need. But it took a while to actually kind of figure that out and, and figure out how to make foods that gave me enough. I don't know if it was just calories or, or even just probably the nutrients that I needed too. It could have been a bit of both, but like in terms of feeling full, I mean, going vegan is great because lentils and legumes, like they have fiber and protein, which is like the combo for feeling full. So yeah. you have those and a lot of those, you're going to feel full. Yeah. You're probably going to have some gas too at the beginning. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I felt good, but it just, it wasn't for me. I, I do. I enjoy meat. I like meat a lot. So, yeah. um, yeah. and so that's up to you, you know, it is a choice for sure. Yeah. So are there other common vitamins or minerals or just micronutrients in general that that someone going vegan will miss yeah well i mean I think the next obvious two are probably calcium and vitamin d so here's the thing with vitamin d okay vitamin d is found first and foremost in fish which for which first of all most people don't eat even if they're not vegan they don't eat enough of. second of all it's found in eggs which you can't eat if you're vegan third of all it's found in, in, in milk because it's fortified okay so those three foods are off the list okay mm -hmm. Keep in mind as well, most Canadians don't get enough vitamin D. If you are sunscreen as well, okay, you're definitely not getting any vitamin D. <laughs> so basically, to get vitamin D as a vegan, like primarily, you're going to have to have fortified milk products like soy milk, almond milk, you know, whatever milk you like, fortified. And you probably should take a supplement of probably 400 international units a day just to make sure you're covered. And then calcium, for the same reason, calcium is found in a lot of different foods. Okay. You don't need to have milk to have calcium, but milk is basically a calcium hack. It makes it really easy. Yeah. So if you're omitting milk and dairy, let's say as a vegan, like make sure you have milk alternatives. There's so many out there. There's no reason not to have them. You will, if you're eating a strong diet, you will fill in the calcium gaps through vegetables, nuts and seeds and legumes, but you need that like two cups a day of your fortified milk to really make sure you're good. So don't cut out milk and not have a milk alternative is basically the next thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's one more. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, have you heard of, um, or have you see, read much about uh, hemp milk? I just had a question this morning, um, asked if I, what my thoughts were on it and I, I haven't seen much about it. Um, so I was wondering if you knew. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, uh, I don't, it probably depends on the product. The most important thing in all honesty, if you're having these alternative milks is they have to be fortified. Otherwise, it's basically useless. Um, now, to find out if it's fortified, look on the ingredients list, look at calcium. If it says like 30% of your daily intake, you're probably good, okay. uh, right? So that's something to keep in mind. If in the ingredients list, it says a whole bunch of minerals and vitamins, it means it's fortified, so you're good. What you don't want is these like 
boutique milk alternatives that aren't fortified, then you think that's actually a replacement for milk. That's yeah. problematic. That's problematic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the other thing to look for too is in the ingredients, you know, what other things are added to it. Cause a lot of times you get sugar or sweeteners or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and some of them can right. contain a lot of it. Some of them not so much. Right. So you want to look at that too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, everyone has different tastes. Like some people, like I personally like soy milk, just like the original. I drink yeah. soy milk. I like the original. Some people might not be able to bear it if it wasn't sweetened and that's a choice they make. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but again, like if, if they have milk and there's a few grams of sugar added, but the rest of their diet's awesome, but they're having sweetened like coconut milk, like, you know, you have to ask yourself, okay, is this really, when I'm having nuts and seeds and vegetables and fruit, is that extra five grams having an impact on my health? My guess is going to be no. Yeah. You know, so it's always the bigger picture. Like if you have a bad diet and then on top of that, you're having like chocolate soy milk, five liters, and your diet's really, your chocolate, your diet's really weak. Okay. You know. Maybe there's something to look at there, but context is everything. Yeah, completely agree. Okay, so listen, I mean, I don't have any other questions on um, vegan. I don't know if there's any that have came through. I've, I've seen a few comments, but they're kind of long, so I couldn't read them. <laughs> yeah, on my screen, I'm actually not getting any comments or, or views. So oh, really? Yeah, so that, that's all good. Just another technical glitch, but so I can't even say anything. I, I, wow, you're far, having a lot of technical problems today. As far as I know, there's only three people in this uh, live right now. <laughs> no. Zero comments. So. <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's tough go for you. But can you even see like yourself or me? I can see myself and you, and okay. I can see the, the no sound comment from the last version of the live. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're behind for um, sure. But yeah, hopefully, if anyone had any big bones to pick with what I said, like maybe like I'm happy to <laughs> make a message me after or something. Um, yeah. Hopefully I represented the topics. Um, well, on, that, on that note, where can someone find you on, on the internet if they want to use your services or if they want to learn more from, from the information that you provide? What, yeah. uh, how does someone find your stuff? Yeah, obviously follow me on Instagram. That would be lovely. Um, but other than that, my website is like, so my moniker is Andy VRD, which is one word. And that stands for Andy, the registered dietitian. That's my website, andy.rd.com. You can learn more about me read my blog, which I'm really proud of, which I really put a lot of work into. And you could, if someone was interested in working with a dietitian, they could book an appointment or learn more of my services on there. And you can catch them on IGTV every, yeah. I don't know, what is it? Wednesday, Tuesday, I don't know when you whenever, do it. Whenever I feel just, like it. Just sometimes, sometimes it's at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday. There's no, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason. But yeah, ch check out my IGTV if you, if you want something like, like I exact higher ish or something. I don't, I don't know what you call it, but you know what? I got to ask what, what, what gave you the obsession with, with kale? Um, you yeah. know what? Well, my fr a friend of mine is going to say that he introduced me to it. Um, I used to eat spinach. So I even wrote a blog on this of how I fell in love with kale, but I used to eat spinach. <laughs> I used to eat spinach all the time and I got sick of it. Um, and then I kind of stumbled upon kale. Maybe my friend introduced it to me. Um, and then I just, you know what? I like something. I like quick and easy stuff and kale raw i like it it tastes good no prep i'm a busy guy and that's it and i'm a very like consistent person when it comes to yeah things. yeah that's it there's no no profound backstory but i <laughs> I, I eat kale every day and i don't see that changing so <laughs> and you just literally eat it raw always or is that just for the show uh, i no, i eat it raw always nothing's for, <laughs> nothing's for show man it's what you see is what you get i don't put on any any act so Nice. All right, Andy. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on here and, and, and sharing your knowledge and touching yeah. on those, those few topics. So, um, you know, we got through some of the technical difficulties and, uh, and we got done, I think what we needed to do. So I right. uh, really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, thanks, man. 
Yeah, you. Uh, oh, and by the way, it was your birthday yesterday, so happy birthday. Yeah, uh, yeah. enjoy your birthday uh, yeah. shenanigans tonight. I will. All right, thanks, man. Thanks again. I appreciate you having All me. Right. All right, Andy, take it easy. Take care. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hell Simple Show. More importantly, I hope you learned something from it. If you did, leave me a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me.